On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about God's foreknowledge. God knows everything. And the question is, really, if he knows everything, is he therefore causing everything to happen? Because he knows it's going to happen. Does he cause it to happen? All right. All right. We're going to get into that important discussion. We're going to start right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Um, we're glad you're on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, the number to call is 931-381-4567. This is a listener participation program. Chime in and uh, share your comments with the world tonight in uh, the email at questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room. We want to hear from you tonight. Jacob, we might announce uh, it's a little ways off still, but in about three weeks we've got a gospel meeting coming up here at College View, and so we want all of our nearby listeners and participants to join us for a gospel meeting beginning Sunday, October 9th through Friday, the 14th of October. So that's a little about three weeks away. Uh, we have different speakers each day and night, and we want everybody to plan, who, who's within a driving distance to plan to come and join us October 9th through 14th. We'll talk more about that as we get closer. Yeah, so uh, so plan on coming to that. Give those dates again. It'll be October 9th through the 14th. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for the feedback there tonight. Okay. We want to hear okay. from you uh, okay. all on the topic, though, of tonight is uh, yeah. God's foreknowledge. Earlier today, we sent out to our update list these questions about God's foreknowledge. First of all, we want to contrast what God knows and is able to know versus what man knows. That'll be our first real quick discussion. And then, number two, a couple of true, true or false questions. God made man with free will, true or false. God wants all men to be saved, true or false. Now, based upon that, what conclusions can we draw about man's responsibility and accountability for his own life, God's responsibility for causing man to sin, and God necessarily causing things to happen because he predicted the outcome? Number four, how do the commands to pray and preach factor into the concept of God's foreknowledge? Number five, does God, does Satan have anything to do with the outcome of things in men's lives? And number six, can we always answer the question why? Ooh. So those are the those are the questions we want to dive into. They, so it's it's a pretty tough subject, Jacob. I think when you when you boil it all down, I mean, part of our problem is going to be, and we're going to run into this, I think, quite a bit in our discussions. We got finite minds. We're entirely limited by space and time. And so everything that we think and, and all of our analysis are based upon our realities. In other words, I can only be here right now. I can't be off someplace else. Uh, and I can only be here right now as versus in the past or in the future. I, I can only deal with what is here right now. God is not limited in those ways at all. 
And so we're, we're trying to use our feeble minds to understand the infinite God and that at uh, all be, beyond for, uh, beyond doing it to, yeah. at some level. Yeah, absolutely. And we're also limited to by what he has told us about himself, too. Yeah. And so we're living we're we have we have limited mental capabilities. We have li- limited revelation. And so at the end of the day, you're going to get to some questions that you can't answer. Yeah, I think that's right. But people people deal with these these notions. For instance, you hear, hear you hear people saying this is a very common expression. You hear it all the time uh, in in you know in our own conversations with people, but also you hear it uh, in the news and the media. And and here's the expression I have: my everything happens for a reason. You just hear that repeated over and over again. Uh, I th- I think the implication of that is that there's a there's a big scheme there's a big picture a big scheme that god has this plan and so everything happens for a reason to fulfill this pre-charted course that god has for my life and your life everybody's lives everything happens for a reason people say that or you how how about this expression Have have you ever heard someone say well it was just his time to go you know someone dies maybe someone someone dies unexpectedly maybe someone dies in a in a bad car accident the other night when we were together the traffic all around us was just a complete bottleneck turned out that the reason for that was a a, a, a dump truck blew a front tire out mm. on i-65 and and went across the median and into the oncoming lanes of traffic killed it killed the dump truck driver and hurt some other people i guess it was just his time to go so that tire blew out because it was his time to go. Yeah. I wonder, I've always wondered about that when a plane goes down and there's like 150 people on this airplane. Did God get all 150 people together whose time it was to go so that they would be together and go simultaneously? I don't know. But people, but that again, that expression denotes this idea that God knows everything. God's planned everything. Everything is pre-charted out for us. Or, uh, Sometimes people will say, I can't help it. I, I, you know, I, I did that and I keep doing that, but I can't help it. It's just, it's just how I am. It's the way God made me. Yeah. All of those things. I, we could probably multiply those kind of expressions. I was uh, selling a used car this week and a guy wanted to come and look at it, but he was sort of dragging his feet. And um, while he was dragging his feet, somebody else bought it. And so I sent him a message and said, the car sold. And he said, well, I was looking for a sign. Now I know. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know that the car sold. Yeah. He wanted some kind of sign. Whether yeah. Was this the car for him or not? Yeah. It's just an old car, you know? I mean, it's like, <laughs> maybe not that uh, significant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So with, with, with that kind of groundwork in place, let's talk about this first thing. What does God know? And for the other, uh, uh, the other side of that, what does man not know? Well, first of all, God knows everything. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, Remember the former days of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying... My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. 
And so, you know, those kind of statements are abundant in Scripture. God knows everything. He knows everything happening in this immediate moment. But God knows that God knows everything about the future. I've always had a little bit of a problem how to express that. I don't know that God chooses to know everything about the future. He can know anything about the future that he wants to know. Whatever he chooses to know, he can know. You know, does God know what day I will die? Well, I don't know if he knows that or not, but I know he can know that if he chooses to know that. I, so that's that's a little bit of a challenge. And again, it goes to this idea that we, we can't fully understand God. God is capable of knowing all things, whether he chooses to know, to know all things or not. I'm not I'm not sure I could put my finger on that, but I know he has the capacity to know all things. And he's been very explicit in some of his prophecies and we read about in the Old Testament. Very explicit, and obviously he knows, I mean, predicting kings by name hundreds of years in advance, he knows the future. Yeah. It's clear. You know, a good example of that is is Isaiah 53, when Isaiah wrote about the sufferings of the Savior. Remember, Isaiah lived approximately 700 years before Jesus, and he predicted, for instance, in Isaiah 53, that he would be be executed like a criminal— but he'd be buried like a rich man. Those things don't go together. You wouldn't make that. That that would be a silly prediction if you were just making random guesses. Right. But Isaiah predicted, and of course, it came true exactly so, because God knew. God, God knows the future. God, God knew how Jesus would be crucified, but he knew that Joseph of Arimathea would come and take his body and bury him in a rich man's tomb. So God can know everything. Now, hang on to that, because we're going to... I think the big part of this study is because he knows, is he forcing that outcome? Does he cause that? That, that, That's the question. I think that's the big question of the hour. Now, the other side of this coin is that man's knowledge is extremely limited. We do not know. There's plenty of stuff that we do not know. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 10. I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And so in in stark contrast to God, man's knowledge is real limited. Now, I think we deceive ourselves. I think mankind in general deceives itself into thinking we know a lot more than we do know. Our our knowledge is really limited. Absolutely. So, so... Uh, understand uh, as we start this discussion I think it's important to understand that difference we're we're dealing with a whole different reality than God deals with uh, and and we, we have to accept that we have to accept that there's there's just a big divide between us and God absolutely his ways are past finding yeah us. and that's the problem when we try and put God into a box that we can define and that we can understand you're you're trying to do something that's impossible. You're trying to do something that will lead to a lot of errors. You got to be careful about yeah, that. Yeah. All right. Now, how much time we got? We got a couple minutes here. Let's 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 dive into a couple true false uh, questions that I think are pretty easy. First of all, God made man with free will. Now, mm-hmm. this is not this is not a, a thing that everybody agrees about, Jacob. Not everybody agrees that man absolutely has free will. not. 
Yeah, there's the free will Baptist and the not so free will Baptist. Yeah, for instance, it might be PR listeners might be familiar with. Yeah, who who was that guy that we interviewed a while back? That was he was a free will Baptist, wasn't he, or was he not? Oh, you're talking about uh, Tanner Adams. Yeah. Uh, I he, think he, he was, was he was he he held different yeah. a different view of Calvinism than most. Yeah, he was not Calvinist. Calvinistic before your conversion, but after your conversion, he was yeah. Calvinistic. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, but but the but the 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 standard Calvinist believes that man does not have free will; that uh, you, you're predestined either to be lost or to be saved. But that goes against the idea of man's free will, and the scriptures really describe free will. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, beginning verse 26. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. So this is Moses giving his final message to the children of Israel. And he says, I'm, I'm giving you a choice. Free will. You can choose either to obey God and receive his blessing. You can choose to disobey God and yep. be condemned. You have a choice to make right. in that. Yep. And, and so the scriptures very plainly talk about free will. Uh, Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 13, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. God made man with free will. Why present two different paths and say you need to choose the straight gate if it's already chosen for you? Yeah, Jesus should have just said, "Hey, it's going to play out as like it plays out, out and there's nothing you can do about it." Yeah, you're stuck. You, you, there's really nothing you can do. Jesus I, in fact, you. I'm wasting my time even talking to you, right? Because you can't do anything yeah. to affect the outcome of your eternal soul. Why would he, any of his sermons be yeah. needed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, and then real quickly, and, and when we come back from this break, this first break, Jacob, we need to get our email emailers in. But let let me take the other side of that true false question. Does true false, does God want everybody to be saved? And the answer to that is emphatically yes. And this is the thing that I can't understand with the people who who argue for predestination that you're either saved or lost, determined by God, not by you. If 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 it was determined by God, everybody if it was determined by God exclusively, and if man's free will didn't factor into it, then everybody would be saved. First Timothy three. Two verses three and four. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Father, God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. Acts ten verses thirty four and thirty five. Peter opened his mouth and said, "Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him." And we could, again, multiply those verses, but man has free will, and God wants every man to be saved. Those are true statements. So, yeah, so this is where people get into trouble trying to figure out God with their finite mind, and that's where we get into the errors of Calvinism, for example, and other things. So if God wants you to be saved and you're not, then are you defeating God? And all these 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 rat holes that people go down, and they end up making verses fight with one another because they're trying to fit God into some type of 
understanding that that works out for them and we can't understand everything about God, but yeah. we can understand what he's revealed yeah. and he's revealed very clearly that he wants everyone to be saved. And, and he's given us a choice and he's given a choice. Those, those two things are very clear. Mm-hmm. And so anything that we do, any formulation that we come up with about God and his, his doings has to fit in those parameters. We're exactly. going to break and we'll get back. What's next? All right, we we want to look at we got a couple emailers. We'll we'll catch uh, catch them up with us on their comments, but then we want to talk about since since God wants everybody to be saved and and He's given us a, a free will choice, then we want to draw some conclusions about responsibility and accountability for our own lives. God's uh, is God responsible for sin? That sort of thing. All right, we'll get to that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Here's a quick thought. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, verses 11 to 13. God teaches us to find contentment in all things, to be full and to be hungry. Look to Jesus and be content. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Don't wait until everything is just right. It will never be perfect. There will always be challenges, obstacles, and less than perfect conditions. So what? Get started now. You are the embodiment of the information you choose to accept and act upon. To change your circumstances, you need to change your thinking and subsequent actions. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. You can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. Man, wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight talking about God's foreknowledge. Ethan in Kentucky references 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 and 2 Peter 3, verse 9, as you did. That reference that God wants all to be saved. And he references Joshua 24, verse 15 as to uh, proving that man has free will. I that, think you may have skipped one. That, uh, yeah. that one in your outline. Joshua 24, 15. Yep. Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But you really can't choose who God already chose for you. But I'm going to say it anyways because it will make a good plaque on somebody's wall. Yeah. Well, I know that pe- that women will be embroidering this yeah. into little wall hangings for centuries to come. So I'm going to say it, but it's really, it's really an empty phrase. True. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Come on. All right. All right. So let's let's look at that. Let's look at our emailers, Jacob. Let's see on that first question about the knowledge of God versus the knowledge of man. Here's what Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, our faithful correspondent uh, down south in Georgia. When we refer to knowledge, we are discussing the fact or condition of awareness or that of reality. When, while both God and man have knowledge, we do not, we do make a necessary distinction between the two. God's knowledge is that of being omniscient. His knowledge is infinite, having all awareness, understanding, and insight. God has perfect and total knowledge of the past, present, and future all at the same time. Man does not, does indeed have knowledge, Luke 1, 3, and 4, John 17, verse 7, John 8, verse 32. Our knowledge, however, is finite based upon either experience or contemplation. Yeah, I think that's, that's the good. That's, it's not that we don't have knowledge, but we don't have infinite knowledge like God. All right. Dwight in uh, out in Ames, Iowa, our faithful correspondent out west, 
says First uh, Corinthians chapter two verse or chapter one verse twenty five says because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's a good one to throw in here. Job twenty one verse twenty two. Can anyone teach God knowledge in that He judges those on high? First Samuel two verse three. Boast no more so proudly. Do not let your arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is God of a God of knowledge. And with him, actions are weighed. Good, good, good. Contrasting that with the knowledge of men, Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There's a way which seems right to man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Second Peter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and, and to the day of eternity. Amen. Well, if I'm supposed to grow in knowledge, that means I don't have it all exactly. now. There's a contrast between God and man. Exactly right. God has all knowledge. We're supposed to grow in knowledge. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now. Let's, let's, let's catch that other part. What did they say about free will and God's desire for men to be saved? All right. Kent said, God made man with a free will. True. John 7, verse 17. God wants all men to be saved. True. Second Peter 3, verse 9. And um, that's what Dwight says. Uh, he Reference says, is the same verse. Answer is true and true. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it's of God or whether I speak for myself. And First Timothy 2, verse 4 says, God desires all men to be saved and come to knowledge the truth. God gave man a free will to determine to follow Jesus or not. Paul had a choice in his path he took. He was, to- he was told what to do, and he chose to do it. He was not forced into repenting and obeying the gospel call. The people in Acts 2 asked what they needed to do. And it was told them, Peter did not twist their arms. The gospel truth pricked their hearts. We were, were all sinners, and God gave his Son as the way of salvation. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, good. Good comments. All right, now, uh, and Ethan in Kentucky also mentions Ezekiel thirty three eleven. I have no, God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. That's another good verse. He said, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Now, so all of the, basically everything we've said is sort of laying the groundwork to, uh, so we need to draw these conclusions. How, how responsible is man? How accountable is man for the things of his own life? Um, uh, well, I think we would say completely. Man is completely. So whatever happens ultimately to my eternal soul is on me. I mean, I'm completely responsible for that. I, I've been given a choice. I've been given a, a way out of the condemnation of sin. Uh, we haven't even really talked about that, but obviously I'm, I'm a sinner. Uh, I, I deserve to be lost eternally in hell because of the sins that I've committed. But God has given me a way out, but I got to choose that way out. Now, and, and I'm responsible for that. It's enti- that choice is entirely on me. Acts one verse twenty four, uh, the the assembled disciples prayed and said, "Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part in the ministry of uh, an apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place." Uh, Judas. Notice, he fell by transgression. Now, Judas is going to be an interesting case study because did Judas have, you know, Jesus had said that Judas was the one who was going to betray him, and Judas did betray him. 
did Judas have to betray him? Did, in other words, was that was that set in stone? Judas, did, Judas, Judas couldn't have done anything different because it had been predicted that he was the one that was going to do that. Therefore, his choice, his options were gone. He wasn't really accountable. He he was he was he was like in this locked on course, and and he couldn't do anything different. Acts one twenty four and twenty five says Judas fell by transgression. He transgressed. It wasn't that he was forced to do something. He chose to do something. We'll talk more about that. But I would say that even in the case of Judas, ultimately every man is responsible for his own sins. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's you know, that Judas had been, it had been prophesied that Judas was going to kill Jesus. Or and betray him. Betray him. Or betray him. And yet he had a choice, and that's where our finite minds don't understand. That's just, that, that I really think you, you, we're in a realm now that we can't comprehend, we can't grasp that. How could Jesus predict at the at the Last Supper, predict that Judas would be the one to betray him, and then when when it came to the doing of it, Judas still had a choice whether he would do it or not. Our minds can't. That that does not compute. That does that we can't assimilate that in our mind. We'll talk more about that. But keep keep the case of Judas in mind. But he was he was responsible. He fell because of his transgression. Okay. All right. Now, uh, uh, what about God's responsibility? Well, God's never to be blamed when I sin. James one verse thirteen. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. James says, don't be blaming God when you sin. So, you know, that that, that guy who says, well, I've got a real hot, fiery temper. I just, I, just, I just fly off the handle at the slightest provocation. I really can't help myself. That's just the way God made me. No, he's wrong about that. Okay. God, God is not to be blamed uh, for our sins. Okay. Uh, let's see what our emailers say on those things. All right. Here's what uh, Kent says. He says, all accountable, all accountable individuals are responsible and accountable for their own lives. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, Revelation 20, verse 12. God has no responsibility in our own personal sins. Sin constitutes transgressions that we accomplish. Romans 3, verse 23. God did not put us into situations where we had to sin. Sin is a personal choice that all individuals make. Romans 6, verse 16. Such being the case, God is not responsible because he, we have sinned. We need to make a proper distinction between foreknowledge and foreordination. God did indeed know in advance that man would become guilty of sin. However, God was not responsible for causing man to sin. While God did foreknow about the entrance of sin into the world, he did not foreordain such. Regarding the scheme of redemption, what God did foreordain for our benefit was the sacrifice of Christ because of his knowing in advance of our need for salvation. First Peter 1, 18 through 23. Good, good, good observations. Dwight says, man will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of the deeds he has done in his body, whether good or bad. Second Corinthians 5, verse, 20, verse 10. God sent his son as the propitiation for our sins. First John 2, verse 2. I do not believe God purposely causes good or bad upon mankind, but I do believe God is in control over everything. God gave man a free will to choose, and I believe it is in our actions 
to predict that outcome. God is not a respecter of persons. God allows things to happen or people put into office, but as always, it is our choice as what to what we do and how we act with the things that take place. God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Okay, several several concepts there in Dwight's uh, answer, and I think all are right and pertain to this. Um, so, I'm accountable. God doesn't make me do it. God doesn't make me do anything. He doesn't make me do bad or good. He gives me the choice. I'm accountable in those measures. Now, let's take our break, Jacob. But when we come back, as I've been suggesting throughout our discussion tonight, is God necessarily causing things to happen because he predicted the outcome? We just talked a minute ago about Judas. Did he make Judas betray Jesus because it had been predicted that he would betray Jesus? So this is the real, to me, this is the the real challenging question that we uh, really have trouble getting a hold of all right uh, hold on and uh give your brain a break here while we take a break and then we'll uh we'll get back on the other side don't go anywhere we're back right after this don't touch that mouse the virtual bible study will be back right after this this is greg Wynn with this week's bullet point more than 60 years ago bc goodpasture wrote this quote for the church to turn aside from its divine work to furnish amusement and recreation is to pervert its mission it is to degrade its mission. Amusement and recreation should stem from the home rather than the church. The church, like Nehemiah, has a great work to do, and it should not come down on the plains of Ono to amuse and entertain. As the church turns its attention to amusement and recreation, it will be shorn of its power as Samson was when his hair was cut off. Only as the church becomes worldly, as it pillows its head upon the lap of Delilah, will it want to turn from its wanted course to relatively unimportant matters. Imagine Paul selecting and training a group of brethren to compete in the Ismithian games. Of his work at Corinth, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That quote is taken from the Gospel Advocate, May 20th, 1948. It is obvious that the things that Good Pastor warned about have come to pass. We see churches of Christ fully engaged in all manner of fun and games. The principal work of the church is to spread the gospel, 1 Timothy 3:15. Let us never attempt to divert the church from its work, the most important work in all the world. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program, right? This program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find out Kyle's good work at College View Livestream. Yeah, on uh, yeah College View Livestream on YouTube. Where, uh, a lot of good studies you, on there. A lot of. Do you sort of like not like Kyle getting all the credit for the live stream? I mean, he's it's you're the one who's presenting no, no, the lessons. Uh, no, I'm just I. Curate. That's all oh, I do. Okay. I all curate right. the hey, he's the, the research. There you go. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, what we'll have, I, we'll have uh, to start calling it. No, I'm not the. I'm I'm behind the scenes. Greg and Josh and all of our helpful men here doing lessons at church. So it's uh, yeah, a lot of good studies. Oh, on God there. gets the glory for it, no matter who does. Amen. All right, all right. Uh, check that out. College U live stream. Brian in California says, "What is proper is a proper interpretation of Romans eight verse twenty eight. All things work together for good." I find myself more readily attuned to who knows whether you have come for such a time as this, 
uh, speaking about Esther there. Sometimes it uh, can just be a result of time and chance. We find at other occasions God deliberately working through the affairs of men for his purpose. Yeah. I, I actually think, Brian, that that the uh, Acts eight, or excuse me, Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good. Uh, the the full quote there is uh, Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord to them who are called according to His purpose. Uh, I think that's talking about spiritually that that all things work to good for good spiritually. You know. So I'm in a bad car wreck on the way home tonight, and uh, it breaks both my legs. Oh, man, that, that really works out good. That's a good thing to have both my legs broken and, you know, serious medical. Con- I don't think it's talking about that. You know, I think it's talking about all things work together to the good spiritual outcome of those who love the Lord and serve him faithfully. Yeah, any challenge we face with God's uh, direction in, in his word will cause us to be better and uh more pleasing to him if we handle it the way that we should. Yeah. Um, certainly some of these physical. I, I, but I think contextually, and, and look at that a little bit more, Brian. I think contextually that, that that's talking about to our spiritual good, not necessarily to our physical right. good. Right, right. Uh, now, uh, if you're Joel Osteen, it, uh, it sure makes a good sermon. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be, your, your legs got broke, you're going to get a promotion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's the here's the here's the heart of the question. Does does God necessarily cause things to happen because he predicted that they would happen? You know, that's the way it is with us. Again, we gotta remember this big distinction between us and God. With with me, if I knew, for instance, what if you knew, Jacob, that the stock market was gonna double or that a, a specific stock was gonna double at the opening bell tomorrow morning on Wall Street, I'd sell it. You, you <laughs> probably we got sold it yesterday. We, we always yeah. do the. We always yeah. go backwards, right? Yeah. But but seriously, if if we knew the the end from the beginning, we would react to what we know would happen yeah. at the end, right? Right. And so, again, because we're limited in time and space, that's the way we that's that's the way we comprehend things. If we knew the outcome, we would we back here before. It happened, we would be reacting to what we knew the outcome would be. God's not like that. And that's what we can't grasp, I think. The best analogy I ever heard uh, was this. So here's a guy sitting on a high mountain peak. And down below him in the valley around the base of the mountain is a real curvy road. So one lane, very treacherous, narrow road. And this guy's sitting up here on the, and he's looking down, and he can see a car coming from each direction at breakneck speed on a very dangerous road. And he is able to predict when they get right there, they're going to collide head on. He sees it. He knows what's about to happen. He states with certainty they're going to be a terrible wreck right down there, but he doesn't cause it to happen even though he knows it is going to happen. Now, that's a, that's a flawed analogy. That's, not a, that's certainly not a perfect analogy of God's foreknowledge, but it might help us understand a little bit about how it would be possible for God to know something is going to happen from his vantage point, because he has this very unique, omniscient vantage point. He can say what's going to happen without causing it to happen. And to get into his... Uh, the wildness of his uh, omniscience, 
You're talking about two variables there, but the the variables of the entire world and him, he being able to know what's going to happen. That's yeah. the incredible thing. Yeah. But again, we're we're limited and we can't get our heads around all how all that works. But uh, that maybe gives you an idea of that vantage point difference. We're yeah. bound by time and space. He's not. Um, he can see what's going to happen without causing it to happen. Yeah. Exactly right. And so uh, when you apply that concept to all of the predictive prophecies of the Old Testament, for instance, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of specific people were were named and predictions made about what they would do. Remember, for instance, that King Cyrus was before he was ever born, his name was was stated as the king who would allow Judah to return to Jerusalem. Well, did that did that mean that he was that he was forced to make that that proclamation? No, it's just that God was in a position to know that he would do it and be able to even specifically name him as the one who would authorize it. Grant and Janie in Franklin, Tennessee, said God can look into a man's heart. If someone has so sinned to sear his heart such that he cannot repent, God would know it. This may be the situation that Judas was in. Very well, might be. Uh, again, and that, again, that go, what what uh, Grant says there goes to this big difference between God and man. I mean, I, I, we can't know a man's heart, but God can perfectly know a man's heart. But yeah. know know us better than we know ourselves. Um, Ethan in Kentucky references Psalm one thirty nine verse sixteen. It does that prove God knows everything we will ever do? Psalm one thirty nine. Let me get it real quick. Verse here. sixteen. Did God know that you would have to look that verse up? <laughs> Probably. Okay. Psalm one thirty nine verse sixteen. Oh, if I can get my pages to turn loose here. All right. One thirty nine sixteen says, "Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect." And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. That's the King James Version. The New King James Version says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet informed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Yeah. Uh, to Ethan's question, and we commented briefly about that at the start of the program, I, I'm not sure that God chooses to know what I'm going to have for supper tomorrow night. Yeah. He could know if he wanted to know, because he can predict the end from the beginning. He's omniscient. He knows everything past, present, future, as Kent said in his email. Now, does does he choose to know those details? I don't know. I don't, but I know that he could know if he wanted to know. Okay. But the fact that he, the fact that he would be able to know that tomorrow night. I'm going to have a hamburger for supper. That doesn't make me choose hamburger. He just knows that I will, but it doesn't. It, it, I'm still. I still have the free choice to choose uh, pepperoni pizza instead of a hamburger. And it doesn't mean that cheeseburger was chosen for you. Like that somehow God cared whether you had the cheeseburger or the hot dog. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. All right. Very tough, very tough situation. Uh, very tough concept, I think. Okay. And again, we're really we're really limited. Did we get our emails on that? I think we did. All right. We did, we, we read uh, their answers to number three. Yes, we did. Okay. So here's here's the next question then. So how do the commands to pray and preach factor into the concept of God's foreknowledge? And and, and my question there may have been a little vague. 
What I was asking Jacob was, if it's all mapped out, why should I pray? And if all men's eternal destiny is already determined, why would I bother to preach? Yeah. But I'm commanded to pray, and I'm commanded to preach. So how does that factor into this discussion? Do you remember years ago, Jacob, when we interviewed uh, Shirley Phelps Roper on yes. the virtual Bible study? I do. She... She was a, uh, the spokesperson for that Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. Are they still? They're still doing their thing. Are out they there. still? I think they are. They're not nearly. They're not getting nearly the news coverage that they did there for a while. I think they, but, the news found out they were being played. Yeah, but they were the ones who were going and protesting at the funerals of killing uh, uh, mur- slain soldiers. Right. I get it right here in a minute. Uh, but you remember we asked her, "Why do you? Why do you preach? Uh, why do you try to convert people?" And her answer, because she's a true ultra-Calvinist, she said, it's not our job to convert people. It's just our job to pronounce God's wrath. So their preaching was not for the intended purpose of converting people. And she said so, because she believed everybody's destiny was already sealed. At least she was consistent in that. Uh, If we we really believe that everybody's eternal destiny was already locked in, we would just be wasting our time to preach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, time for you to get a call in, 931-381-4567. We don't know you're calling, but uh, you sure make us happy if you did. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the phone or email in the chat tonight. We want to hear from you uh, as we continue the discussion. Um, lots of uh, lots of questions there. So if God knows, why pray? And if God knows why preach, maybe we're wasting our time. Here's a verse to throw into the mix, Jacob. Luke 11, verse 2, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, Mm -hmm. he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Pray that God's will will be done. Think about that. There's an implication that his will might not be done. Right. If we're, if we're to pray that his will be done, then that leaves open the possibility that his will might not be done. Again, it, it implies man has a choice as whether he do God's will or not. You know, the, with the first century Christians who were thrown to the lions, that wasn't God's will that that, that, that would happen. That was contrary to the will of God. Man, wicked men made choices that led to that. Yeah, and you get into a um, a vicious circle here too. So if it was God's will that men be thrown to the lions, that Christians be crucified upside down, that um, Christians be used to light um, used as torches torches to light the garden parties, then. You have the condition of folks doing God's will, and it's still being sin. And that's the definition oh, yeah, of... Now you're about to blow my mind. No, if, but if, that's, yeah. if it's God's will, hey, God wanted him to be crucified upside down, then you weren't sinning when you did God's will. You were justified in killing the Christian. Now, we've had that discussion on the virtual Bible study before, on actually on a separate subject. Of that, but I think you're exactly right. If, if you're... You cannot say it's a sin if it's what God willed to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, First John 3, verse 4. You can't violate God's will. If it was God's will to begin with, it could be sin. Um, so I really think my, my answer to that question, how do the commands to pray and preach factor into the concept of God's foreknowledge, 
the, it, I think it factors into this discussion because it 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 emphasizes that. So I preach to people because there's a potential they could make a change and make a different choice. I pray about things because it might lead to a different outcome than what would happen otherwise. Right. Okay. You know, there's several instances in the scripture where God had a change of heart. You remember when the children of Israel sinned and, and God said to Moses, basically stand back. I'm going to wipe them out. And I'll make a new nation out of your descendants. And Moses interceded and God changed his mind. And so, you know, that, that's the idea of what might happen through prayer. Yeah. We're getting into a realm that we do not understand. But we do know that God changes his mind. We do know we were told to preach. We do know we're told to pray and that it will avail much and it will bear fruit. So we have to go with what we know based on what the scriptures teach. And I know it's time for a break. Eric in the chat room brought up in our Bible study last night. uh, He he brought up uh, uh, what James said in James chapter five. and, And we believe this. We really believe that it is true. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5, what is that, verse 18? 19. My pages are sticking together so bad tonight. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, 16. James 5, 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. All right. We'll get a break and get to, get to the top of the hour after the break. And uh, take your comments. Uh, sign in so, and let us know. What about, does Satan have anything to do in this whole business? Okay. And then finally, is it always possible to answer the question why? Ooh, here we go. Going to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Misconception number 22. The folks at the College of Church of Christ don't like music. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is we love music and use it as often as we can in worship. Granted, we don't have pianos, organs, guitars, or drums, and we can explain that if you would like. But we do have music, good music. You ought to come and be a part of it sometime. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In a recent survey, only 12% of respondents claim they read the Bible at least once a month. Levels are similar across all age groups until we get to the 65-plus age group where the numbers accessing the Bible at least once a month rises to 19%. Men are more likely to never read the Bible, 73%, than women, 62%. That information is via christianresearch.org. The Word of God says in Hosea 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back, going to the top of the hour, if we make it that far without our head exploding. Yeah, we're 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 in some tall grass here. Uh, these are challenging, mentally, intellectually challenging concepts. And we'll get to the last part. Can we always know the answer? Can we always answer the question why? But uh, let's first, before we do that, let's talk about uh, you know, d- does Satan have a, a, a part to play in all of this? And, you know, don't forget, it's not just about God, that we have this adversary, Satan, First Peter 5, verse 8. And he's, he's working tirelessly to, to affect the, the outcome of things in our lives as well. Yeah. 
Exactly right. And if, if if it's all programmed and nobody has any choice in it, why would Satan even Satan's on a futile mission? Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of times in these kind of discussions, the the the, the scenario described in the book of Job in a, in Job chapter one, uh, where S- Satan comes before God and God says, "Have you considered my servant Job?" And basically, Satan says, "Yes, I have," and he's driving me nuts. Uh, you've built a hedge around him. I can't get at him. And, and and so God allows him to bring certain afflictions upon Job. Uh, first, not to touch him person, his, his personal well-being, but ultimately he, he was given uh, the authority to go further and even affect Job, Job's health. Uh, but... Oh, that's that's really some kind of a study there. Uh, but the one thing we can be absolutely certain of is that Satan's power was limited. He could only do to Job what God would allow him to do. There, God placed limitations upon uh, the work of Satan. Satan's powerful, and he's constantly at work, uh, but God has limited him. He he, uh, and that, and that study in, in in the book of Job really emphasizes that i think yeah um you know another idea to throw into the mix of this is uh god uh telling abraham to sacrifice isaac remember what he said after abraham went through with you know right up to the point of killing his son god said do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now i know that you fear god since you have not withheld your son your only son from me did he not know it before? Yeah. You know, could, could he could he not have predicted Abraham will go through with this? Right. He Apparently could, he didn't. He could, he, he he didn't. could have seen. He, 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 for him to do that would have excluded Abraham's free choice. And so God's not going to do anything that will will inhibit or limit my free choice. So we're getting into the area where we're going to run out of information. We're just going to have to take it what, what God says. Uh you know, again, I, I think Satan is certainly powerful and he's at work, but we know he's limited he, and, and he cannot force us to do what we don't choose to do. First Corinthians ten thirteen. there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Notice, God will not suffer you. He will not allow it. God will not allow you to be tempted above your ability to resist. Here's what David in the chat room says about the idea of Satan having anything to do with uh, with the way things turn out in men's life. He references James 4, verse 7, and says, Only if we let him, James 4, verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Again, looks like I got a choice in this matter. It's not already pre-programmed. The devil's going to have his way with me today or he's not. No, it's up to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, David says, only if we let him will he have an impact. Yeah. Uh, Matthew four, 6, verse 8, Dwight says, teaches us, for your father knows uh, what you need before you ask him. I believe it is a humble man who can ask for things that he cannot achieve on his own. We teach and preach God's word for others' benefit, not just our own. God knows what is good for us. We need to be taught and study so we can help help others as much as we need help. And he references to the question about Satan. First Peter five verse eight. Peter warns about Satan. He says, "Be of sober spirit and on the alert, 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan is out to turn us from God, but just as with God we have a choice to do good or evil, Satan will use every scheme out there that is available, and he will tempt us with things that are our weaknesses. This is why we put on the whole armor of God to protect ourselves. Putting on the armor is our choice, though. We are not forced to do it. Ken says, both praying and preaching favor into God, or factor into God's plan because of the conditions that God has given regarding his divine plan. Um, when we refer to God's plan as it relates to foreordination, such as conditional upon our acceptance of his plan, as well as the conditions that we must obey to receive the blessings of such, Hebrews 5, 8, and 9, Ephesians 1, 3 through 12. Yes, Satan can have an outcome in the results regarding the lives of individuals, Luke 8, verse 12, 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. However, this does not mean that he has an unalterable control of humanity or a specific group within humanity. As individuals, God has endowed us with that uh, of free will and or free choice. We make the ultimate choice of our eternal destiny. Right. Thank you for that, Kent. Exactly right. All right. All right. So I, I think we, I think we have <clears throat> pretty much answered the as much as we're able to answer, Jacob. And and don't you think that that to some extent the, these these kinds of discussions leave us a little bit unsatisfied you know because we can't we can't give a definitive answer about how all of this works and again it goes to the extreme difference the big divide between us and god and we walk by faith not by sight and we don't have to understand everything yeah. and that's the end of it I mean, that's yeah. the final thing at the end of the day we don't have to understand brian in california says god didn't will evil to be committed by judas but his purpose was accomplished of a uh, propitiation established in the lawless deeds. Is that how to view it, or am I being too simplistic? I think that's pretty right, Brian. Uh, God can can accomplish his purposes even by using the actions of evil men. What Judas did was evil and sinful, and he was condemned for it. But it, but God could use that to bring about, as 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 Brian mentioned. You bring about the 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 propitiation accomplished by Jesus' death, the blood shed blood uh, for the remission of our sins, and so what Judas did was evil, but God could use it to accomplish His eternal plan. Sounds a lot like what Joseph said about uh, him being sold into slavery uh, in Genesis chapter fifty, um, and he said. Um, uh, do not bash uh, for you, verse 20 of Genesis 50. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So the brothers were committing sin. God was able to use that to fulfill his purposes of saving uh, the descendants of Abraham and fulfilling the promises that he had to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- so here's the question that you, you know, you, you know, there's some of these kind of questions, you know, if, if, if God ha- is able to do all things, can God make a rock so big that even he can't move it? You know, I mean, th- th- those, those crazy circular kind of argument. So you can make the same argument about Judas. If what, what if Judas had exercised his free will and chosen not to betray Jesus would that have completely derailed God's plan. Well, I don't know. You're asking me to judge about something that is impossible. You can't judge that. What would God have done? You know, here's the question. 
What would God have done if Judas said, no, I won't betray Jesus? I don't know. None of us know. There's no way to know because he did that. He, he made the choice. What if he chose differently? I don't know. The, the point is he didn't have to choose. Yeah. And, and, but, and the point is God knew what he would choose, and, and it worked out the way God wanted it to work out. It, it worked so out. So you figure out how that works. But he was works, still but, accountable. He, remember we read there in Acts 1, 24 and 25, Judas fell by his transgression. Yeah. It was his transgression that led to that. All right, one more question. Last question, can we always answer the question why? And I think the easy answer to that is no. I remember when I was a kid, the preacher where we went, attended frequently referred to Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to God. They're questions we can't answer. God has all the answers, but he hasn't given us all the answers. But he has given us the answers. He has given us uh, things revealed, and those are for us. And, and he's revealed for us all that we need to know. And to that, Dwight answers, I can imagine things like why God does allow this thing to happen to me by saying, Matthew 5, verse 45, so that you may be sons of their Father who is in heaven, for he causes the sun to shine on, rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. First, or James 1, 2, and 3, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, and when the testing of your faith produces endurance. The Lord allows us to go through trials to make us better, stronger servants for him, but remember that he will not allow us to be tempted above what we can withstand, First Corinthians 10, verse 13. And... Ethan in Kentucky references Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right. Um, and so uh, my th- ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. Uh, so we will not always understand. Eric references 29, Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. Uh, Jeanette in Vermont says God wants us to rely on him and show our faith. That's why we pray and obey him, First John mm-hmm. 5, 14 and 15. Right, right. Anything in Kentucky, yeah, we've got that. So good comments tonight from our listeners. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, we're not going to understand all this. We just spent an hour talking about things that we don't understand. Yeah, it's tough. It, I think it's really interesting discussion and somewhat uh, unsatisfying because we don't get to a definitive answer. But that's because God has only chosen to tell us what he's told us. We need to be humble enough to take it yeah. at, at that yeah. and not demand that we understand it. And if it, and if we can't fit our wrap our head around God, then we're not going to obey him, no, or, or believe in him. But it no. doesn't make sense to me. I'm not doing it. Right. That's the way men act, and that's no. just wrong. It's arrogant, and um, we, need to, we need to walk by faith, Kyle. Yeah. It's a good study. I think uh, we don't have to know. That's the thing. We don't. We don't. Sometimes we feel like we need to know everything. We need to flesh out all the little fine details before we can say yes or no to this. But yeah, it's a good study. I think it's a good lesson on we don't have to know, we don't need to know. But yeah, all right, that's good. All right, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for helping us out tonight, Dad. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. We appreciate your time. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.